Praise, praise be to God, our only hope in Jesus. Those two big words that we uh, sang this morning will be prominent uh, as we hear this morning's message, but God. The two biggest words, I think, in the scripture. If you would uh, turn in your Bible to the book of Acts, chapter 13. This morning is the second part of two messages that I have titled, A Word of Encouragement. It is as promised. So our text this morning is going to be verses 26 through 43 of Acts 13. Uh, we will pray first, then we will read the Word of God that is under examination, and then we will systematically uncover the passage, making observation and application as we travel through the text. So let us uh, pray together, please. Our Father in heaven, we are gathered by your grace this morning to exalt your name. We are those in need of grace to have eyes to see and ears to hear, and a will that will be moved this morning to obedient faith. We need grace to trust the promise of Jesus Christ that it is at work, even through our flawed human acts. We need grace to trust that you're always at work and that your promise never fails. We pray for all the churches in our region who preach the gospel of grace this morning, particularly praying this morning for those who are gathered at Dilly Bible. I pray this morning that you may move in them to obedient faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that is in ever-increasing measure here amongst us this morning. It is in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. As you are able, would you please stand for the reading of the inerrant, infallible Word of God from Acts chapter 13, beginning in verse 26. Brothers, sons of the family of Abraham, and those among you who fear God, to us has been sent the message of this salvation. For those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not recognize him nor understand the utterances of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, fulfilled them by condemning him. And though they found no guilt worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they carried out all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he appeared to those who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are now his witnesses to the people. And we bring you the good news that what God promised to the fathers, this he has fulfilled to us, their children, by raising Jesus, as it is also written in the second psalm. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. And as for the fact that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption, he has spoken in this way. I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. Therefore, he also says in another psalm, you will not let your holy one see corruption. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised up did not see corruption. 
Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. Beware, therefore, lest what is said in the prophets should come about. Look, you scoffers, be astounded and perish. For I'm doing a work in your days, a work that you would not believe, even if one tells it to you. As they went out, the people begged that these things might be told them the next Sabbath. And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. This is the Word of God. Y'all may be seated. Last week in our passage, we established this, that the promises of God find their yes and their amen in Jesus Christ. In the gospel, it is as promised for the one who believes. It is as promised. It is eternal life for the one who believes. In the gospel, it is as promised for the one who rejects it. It is as promised. In Philippians 2, 9 through 11, it says, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, it is as promised. By faith, one bows the knee and confesses the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior to eternal life. Or by sight, those who reject Him now will bow to the Jesus Christ as Lord to their just punishment, their eternal damnation. It is as promised. I love that the Word of God has absolutely no ambiguity. It is as it is promised. Brothers, it says in verse 26, sons of the family of Abraham and those among you who fear God. So Paul and company have been sent by the Holy Spirit and they go where the audience would have a familiarity with the Scriptures. They would be among those that at some level they already feared Yahweh. The logical first stop on Paul's missionary journey then would naturally be, of course, the synagogue. After the prayers were had in the synagogue, a reading from the law was said. Then there was a lesson from the prophets. Then the leaders would invite a competent man, if there was one among them, to expound upon the lesson. And if one was available, he would deliver a sermon. With Paul and Barnabas in, attend in attendance, the leaders asked for a word of encouragement. Paul begins his address earlier, as we remember from, from part 1 in verse 16, Men of Israel, and you who fear God, listen. And Paul then encourages them through uh, unfolding of Israel's history that it is as promised, and that it always has been as God had promised it. Listen, men of Israel, he says, and you who fear God, I will lay out the history of the promise-keeping God, and I will show you all those things you know from the law and the prophets, and that they find their promise, fulfillment in Jesus Christ. And then, you know, he concludes this history 
of, of Israel, in verse 23, God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus, as He promised. Verse 26 of our text here is a readdress of verse 16. In, a sense, in, in, in essence, He is saying this, and I, I want to say this to you with the same emphasis. Listen carefully to what the promise in Jesus Christ means for you. Listen carefully. It is as promised. The promise of God, though, is in one person alone. The promise of God is in the person of Jesus Christ. Earlier in the book of Acts, of course, we've seen that it is established that there is no other name by which one may be saved. The promise of God finds its fulfillment in one person alone, and that is in Jesus Christ. This Paul thinks it's important enough to say twice, brothers and those who fear God, listen. I think if it's in there twice, it must be important for us to say that the promises of God are worthy of us to listen, to listen to who it is that Jesus is. Now, we'll look at 26 through 29 a little closer. I'll read all of that again. Brothers, sons of the, of the family of Abraham and those among you who fear God, to us has been sent the message of this salvation. For those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not recognize him nor understand the utterance, utterances of the prophets which are read every Sabbath, fulfilled them by condemning him. And though they found in him no guilt worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they carried out all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and they laid him in the tomb. He says, listen, men of Israel and you who fear God, listen, this message demands your attention. This message demands the attention of the sons of the promise and all who will fear God. Don't throw away or disregard the promise. It is for you. This promise is for you. For those who have ears to hear, this promise is for you. Do not reject the message that your brothers in Jerusalem did. It is and was the sovereign will of God to deliver salvation to His people as promised. What I love about this text is that we see clearly that human action, failure, and sin cannot thwart the sovereign will of God. Just because they didn't recognize Jesus as the promised one, the Messiah, just because they failed to understand the Scriptures uh, and and its testimony concerning Jesus, it still is as promised. The, uh, the rejection of Jesus as Savior, their condemnation of Him, unwillingly served the will of God to bring about the salvation of those to whom God has given ears to hear. The rejection as well is as promised. Isaiah 53.3, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, as one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. It is as promised. Again, I love this, that the will of man cannot thwart the sovereign will of God. It is uh, actually, God uses it actually to bring about 
His sovereign will. And Psalm 118.22 is clear that, that the, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Our rejection does not thwart the promise of God. It is as promised in the person of Jesus Christ. And he's telling him here, our brothers did not recognize Jesus as Lord. They failed to understand uh, that He was the fulfillment of the prophetic word. And they condemned Him to death, though He was innocent. They supposed that by laying Him in a tomb, they would bury the way, the truth, and the life. Here is this Jesus who's declaring that He is the only way. He is the truth. He is the life. We reject Him. Because what do we love more than we love God even? This is a declaration from them in rejecting Jesus. What do we love more than we love God? We love our sin much, much more. They would say they are God-fearers and God-lovers, but in actuality, they love their sin more. So let us bury our sin. Let us bury this one who claims that it is by faith alone in Him alone. Let's bury it. If we bury it, it isn't true, right? If we bury the way, the truth, and the life, then we will once be free of this Jesus forever. This is their goal. I want to be free of this Jesus. Well, Christian, I think this, just because we fail to recognize Jesus in our daily activities, we do so so that we might sin. Just because we sin against the Lord, just because we are often guilty of, of the sin, and we, all of us, are guilty of the sin that, that condemned and executed the Lord of life. This does not mean that you and I have lost the ability to do something even more stupid and make it worse. We have the ability to do something even more stupid and make it worse. You know what we do? try to bury our sin. Instead of confessing it, we dig up a grave, we place it in there, and we cover it up. If we don't acknowledge it, and we put it in the grave, we think that we have rid ourselves of the issues that our sin has brought to us, right? We think we've, we're, we're done with those issues. And think about this. Sinners don't become sinners by sinning. We sin because we are sinners. And when we bury sin, it's a guarantee that we will continue in it. You know why? We're the ones who know where we buried it. We know where the bones are. We think by burying our sin, we're ridding ourselves of it. But I know my own sinful heart that when I do that, you know what I do is I find a shovel soon. I want to dig that up and play with it again. As horrible as it is. As horrible as it is. Because we love sin, we will dig it up again and again. But listen to what 1 John says to us. It says that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. If we bury our sin, deny that we have sin. We might want to examine whether or not we are in the faith. We might want to take that out and examine that. See, the faithful Christian is the one who knows their condition apart from the grace of God that is in Christ Jesus. 
The Christian is the one who acknowledges their sin and they hate it. Matthew 5, as I've been slowly going through the Sermon on the Mount, in three weeks I've gotten to two verses maybe. But this is big. This is big for us to understand this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. See, the Christian there, in that sense, declares their need of grace, recognizing their, their poor spiritual condition. The Christian is one who not only acknowledges their sin, but doesn't bury it, but confesses it in mourning before God and before fellow believers. The Christian doesn't hang around in mourning forever, though. The Christian, uh, once they confess their sin before God, they are comforted. They are comforted. When a Christian confesses their sin before God, when they recognize their poor spiritual condition, when they mourn sin, I think sometimes we don't mourn sin enough, do we? Like, we don't feel bad enough. We don't feel hurt enough. We don't feel the pain that we, we know that we are transgressing a holy God. That we, in fact, when we sin, are committing cosmic treason. We don't recognize that often, do we? I know what we do as sinners, because that's, I'm capable. I'm, I'm one of you. Is instead of recognizing that my sin is cosmic treason against holy God, I do what Romans 1 tells us. Suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Push it down. Minimize it. And if I can't minimize it, I'll dig a hole so I can put it in there, thinking, for some reason, I'm rid of it. Right? (sighs) But the Christian is comforted when they confess their sins by the next Two words in our text. But God, but God. Listen, brothers, and those who fear God, it is as promised. God brought a Savior to His people. His people rejected Him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, as one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed Him not. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush Him, He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his whole soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. But God sent to us a Savior, Paul would say, The sin of man, the failure of man to acknowledge him, unwittingly serving to execute what was the sovereign will of God to bring the judgment that our sin deserved. Our desire to bury the sinless one and thus attempt to rid ourselves of the guilt and shame accomplished the plan of God's salvation. In Acts 5.31, Him, God, has exalted to His right hand to be Prince and Savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Our sin, you see, was judged on the cross. Our, Our sin was imputed to Christ. We who have confessed our sins, we were then buried with Christ. See, it is as promised. God raised Him from the dead. 
Romans 6 says, We were buried therefore with Him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we shall surely be united with Him in a resurrection like His. We know that our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over Him. For the death that He died, He died to sin once for all. But the life He, he lives, He lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. And Paul here in Acts is pleading with the Jews that have been dispersed to Antioch uh, toward Pisidia, don't reject the message of salvation as our Jerusalem brothers and the rulers have done. This message is for you as it was for them. It is for the Jewish brother residing in Antioch as well as for those Gentiles who have come and gathered here in the in the synagogue, those who fear God. Romans 4 tells us, is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was accounted to Abram, Abraham as righteousness. How then was it accounted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? If it was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that the righteousness would be counted to them as well. And to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised, but also walk in the footsteps of faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. You see, this is good news. This, this but God moment in verse 30 here is like, is, is, man, it's more than good news. Like, the gospel is more than good news, really. It's the best news you can ever hear. It is the very best news. Because it is as promised. Not only was our sin buried with Christ, God raised Him from the dead just as He promised. By grace, the message of salvation is for all who have ears to hear. All of those who will repent and believe. Jesus resurrected from the dead is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. You see, the righteous shall live by faith. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is what all of our faith hinges upon. Jesus resurrected from the dead is the proof that it is as promised. It is as promised. God raised him from the dead. And for many days he appeared to those who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are now witnesses to these people. And we bring you the good news that what God promised to the fathers, thus he has fulfilled to us their children by raising Jesus. By raising Jesus. He also presented himself alive uh, after his suffering in, by many infallible proofs, by being seen by them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. I want us to notice uh, uh, some details here from verse 31 through 35. 
Many days he appeared to those who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are now his witnesses to the people. And we bring you the good news that what God promised to the fathers, thus he has fulfilled to us their children by raising Jesus. As also it is written in the second Psalm, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And as for the fact that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption, he has spoken in this way. I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. Therefore, he also says in another psalm, you will not let your Holy One see corruption. See, Paul doesn't yet include himself here as a witness, but he appeals to the apostolic witness that came before him. Nevertheless, he sees himself and his companions as carriers or heralds of the good news. The message is simple that he carries. The message is simple that we carry. God sent Jesus as a Savior. Sinful man rejected Him. Just as the Father was rejected in the Garden of Eden, the Creator God, the Righteous and Holy One, the Judge of Man was rejected. Rejected in favor of what? Rejected in favor of self-governed, self-directed, self-centered autonomy. That was the whisper of the enemy. Autonomy is a good idea. It's a really good idea. And it turns out it was not such a good idea at all. Self-direction. Directed by what? Directed by the passions of our flesh and sin. A trap. Autonomy was a trap. The trap of the enemy. But we, in Adam, rejected God. And these that he's talking to have rejected Jesus Christ. Mankind mankind has rejected him. Mankind has rejected his cross. And to you I say this morning, to what he says to them, is don't let this be you. Salvation is granted. It is given to you if you will repent and believe. You, You must believe that your sin was nailed to the cross with Jesus, that you were buried with Him. It is as promised. A new life and a new relationship is yours. Because those two words, but God raised Him from the dead. You can have new life. Paul quotes uh, Psalm 2 and he declares the one who was begotten is the one who was raised. That's what he's saying here. The one who was begotten is the one who was raised. That, That Jesus... That Jesus, God has raised. And that He lives forever. He's declaring that it is as was promised. The one who is raised is the Holy One. The one whom the grave could not hold. The one who is alive today. Jesus is the holy and sure blessing that was given to David. It is as promised. The promise to the father Abraham, the promises to Israel, the promises to David find their yes and their amen in Jesus Christ raised from the dead. Jesus is the subject of the forever king that 2 Samuel writes about. In 2 Samuel it says, And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Samuel was looking forward to and talking about the day when it would, as Paul delivers here, but God raised him from the dead. 
Verse 36, For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. But he who God raised up did not see corruption. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. So remember at the outset, here's Paul and Barnabas in the synagogue. They're reading from the prophets. And they say, if you have a word of encouragement, would you give it? And here's a word of encouragement. It is as promised. Do you want a little bit more encouragement? Forgiveness for sins is not merely possible. Forgiveness for sins is as it was promised. I want us to get this too, though, guys. We do declare the promise of God. We declare forgiveness. The promise and the forgiveness of the forgiveness of God is married to a command. When we give the promise of God, it is married to a command. In Peter's sermon in Acts chapter 2, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Paul here is in essence saying the same thing as we know from the letters um, that Paul often spoke of being justified before God. He didn't talk so much about this forgiveness of sins as much as he talked about justification. Well, Paul communicated a judicial understanding of of justification. That is, that you were to be acquitted uh, of all charges. But he's expressing the same thought here in this section. His claim is that nobody can claim to be in a right relationship with God on the basis of keeping the law. Forgiveness through faith in Jesus Christ frees you from the guilt and the right verdict that was against you. Faith in Jesus Christ then acquits you of all charges. Forgiveness for sin is promised for you who repent and believe. It is for everyone. I want to get this. It is for everyone who will repent and believe. Acts 10 says, Everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Romans 10.4 For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. To everyone who believes. So, let us wrap our heads around this. That, that the promise of God is married to a command. Repent and believe. Jesus, when he came on the scene in, in Mark, right? You've got John the Baptist baptizing folks for the remission of sin. Yeah, Jesus coming on, and how does he kind of like launch his ministry? Repent and believe the gospel, for the kingdom of God is at hand. It is married to this command. The promise is married to a command. Repent and, and believe. Verse 40. Beware, therefore, lest what is said in the prophets should come about. Look, you scoffers, be astounded and perish, for I am a doing a work in your days, a work that you will not believe, even if one tells it to you. See, not only is the promise of forgiveness married to a command to repent and believe, but the good news of Jesus Christ 
always also comes with a warning. There is the promise of forgiveness, married to the command to repent and believe, but it comes with a warning. It comes with a warning. See, if it is as promised on both ends, if it is as promised, it's promised for those who receive and believe, you can trust the sure promises of God, those who have repented and believe by faith. Those who reject him can trust in the sure promises of God. In the same way, because man cannot thwart the sovereign will of God. The promise of forgiveness is married to a command to repent and believe. The good news of Jesus Christ comes with a warning. Despising this offer of forgiveness comes with this warning against rejection. Look, you scoffers, be astounded and perish. For I'm doing a work in your days, a work that you will not believe, even if one tells it to you. So you see, what, what he's doing here is he's quoting from Habakkuk 1.5, and the context of Habakkuk is that in this original prophecy was that people needed, needed to recognize that the Chaldean invasion was a divine judgment, and they scoffed at it. Right to their perishing. And Paul applies this text to the danger of failing to recognize Jesus as the Savior who was sent by God. To you it is promised, you see. Jesus is Lord. God has raised Him from the dead. Forgiveness for sins I proclaim to you. Repent and believe the gospel is the command. Be warned, though, that if you are hearing the good news of Jesus Christ today, and I've said this often, your moment of crisis has arrived. It has arrived. If you are not a believer in Jesus Christ and you hear the gospel clearly spelled out about God being holy, that man being sinful and separated from God, and that, that the only way of salvation is through the cross of Jesus Christ's death, and that the, that the responsibility, the, what becomes incumbent upon you, uh, having heard that message is to repent and believe, if you reject that moment, if you reject that, this moment, the moment you hear it, is a moment of crisis for you. I remember my moment of crisis. I had a very crisis moment. I'm looking at the Bible because I had heard something. I wasn't quite sure I believed what it said. It seemed sort of too easy. I read the verses right near the verse that was proclaimed to me, and there I was. At an overwhelming crisis in my heart. I'm looking at the scripture and I go, this is true? I was convicted. I said, what, what this book says is true of me. That was my, that was my crisis moment. God is speaking to me. This is true. Then I sat there thinking about all the people I knew, thinking about the home I grew up in, and I went, oh my goodness, this is true of every person I've ever met. This is true of me and true of every person I have ever met. And it's just that little passage in John chapter 3, Men loved darkness rather than light. That was the one that hammered me. 
because it tried to hide. And what I knew was that if, if I was known, oh, I'm in trouble. If light comes in and I'm known, I'm in deep, deep trouble. And I'm reading the scripture and I'm like, he already knows. He already knows. I've been exposed. And that was a moment of crisis. In that moment, what can you do? You must repent and believe. That was my only conclusion. But there, there are others who hear that same message and they reject that message to their own peril, to their own eternal judgment. And it's right. It's a right eternal judgment. So that is the moment of crisis, you see, because God has, has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It is as promised by faith. As I said, one bows the knee and confesses that the Lord Jesus is Savior, and to them they receive eternal life. Or by sight, one day, one will bow to the Lord Jesus Christ to their punishment and judgment, and it is sure and true that it is as God has promised. It is as promised. Verse 42. And as they went out, the people begged that these things might be told them the next Sabbath. And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout uh, converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. See, Paul is here already speaking to those who had, had trusted in the grace of God as it was offered to them in the Old Testament. Uh, some who heard the good news, and, and, and what do they say? Hey, uh, come again next week, and, and we'll hear more about this. But you know what? The group that follows after them, you know what they're saying? I don't want to wait anymore. I, I need to hear more of this now. I, need, I don't want to wait till the next Sabbath to hear more about this Jesus whom God raised from the dead. Tell me more about this now. And Paul encourages them, entrust yourself to the grace of God and continue in His grace. And he would tell them, I think the fullness of grace you see is found in God. The fullness of grace is found in God having raised Jesus from the dead. Walk in this grace, brothers and sisters. You know why? Here's the thing. Muhammad the prophet is dead. Buddha is dead. All the other little G gods are dead. But God raised Jesus from the dead and our Savior is alive. We serve a living God. That should, is that, do we need a word of encouragement? That's the word of encouragement right there, brothers. It is as promised God raised Him from the dead. Our Savior is alive. We serve a living God. One to whom we can pray. One to whom knows our frame. One who sent us the Holy Spirit to comfort us, to guide us, to teach us, to correct us. Our Savior is alive. This is a word of encouragement. 
He is the Word that is made flesh. He is the living and active Word of God. He has ascended on the throne. Our Jesus is the King of the world, and He is ruling and reigning right now. That's a word of encouragement. It is as promised. See, He is Lord. So I want to end this morning with the same encouragement that Paul gives. Continue to walk in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is as promised. Be encouraged. Are you in a tough place right now? Are you weighed down by struggles and troubles? Are you weighed down by even maybe your own failures? If you are, here's a word of encouragement. It is as promised. God raised him from the dead. It is as promised. He sent you the Holy Spirit to live in power. It is as promised.